I don't think I'll sit down, <laughs> but I might use this rod. I don't know. This is pretty nice here. Uh, anyway, um, that's, um, that was very, very wonderful. I appreciate our young people participating. Um, I don't know if Pharaoh was quite that energetic or not, but <laughs> I tell you what, he, you know, he gave it all he had, and, and, and God still won, and um, still took them out of that, that land. Um, Chantel is um, passing the mantle. Uh, she's giving it to uh, whoever will. Uh, she's come up with some of the uh, um, youthful things that, uh, that we've had here, and uh, we've been uh, very blessed. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to one time at least bring our youth into the congregation so you could see what they have been doing and and how interesting it is to uh, um, they, they bring out uh, that youthful vigor when they when they're uh, up before us and and I know they have to have coaching and stuff like that but it's still that they want to do it they and you know and it's interesting that I think they really probably learn it better when they act it out like that they probably will always remember that. Unfortunately, when I was a kid, we were doing something totally unbiblical. <laughs> and for some of you who remember Christmas stuff, uh, that was what we were doing as youth. And I still remember that. But that's, you know, unfortunately, that's something that uh, um, I had to overcome and I had to get out of. And I'm thankful that God brought me out of it. It's interesting that... Um, this message, uh, because I knew what it was, and I was thinking about it, <clears throat> and I was thinking about our youth, but I was also um, cognizant of the, the holy days coming up and, and all of the, that is uh, involved in that. And one of the things that, um, that really touched me was that God considers us a part of his family. It's interesting in Exodus, the fourth chapter, when he was talking to Moses, he told Moses to tell Pharaoh specifically something very profound. He says, and in verse 21, and I didn't give it to Brian, but I'm going to read it anyway. When you go and return to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand, but I will harden his heart that he will not let the people go. Moses already knew before he was going to go before Pharaoh that he was going to have problems. He was going to be in a situation in which he was going to be um, up against someone that says, no, no, I won't let you go. I thought that was pretty profound. And you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. I say unto you, let my son go, that he may serve me. And if you refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay your son, even your firstborn. The Bible says that happened. And it's interesting in Exodus, the, the 19th chapter. God brings his firstborn son, he called Israel, 
And also very interesting that he promised Abraham that he would make him a nation, many, many people. You couldn't even count them. Sand of the seas, uh, stars in the heavens. He promised to Abraham, Isaac. Abraham didn't even have any children at the time he was promised. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob then had 12 sons. Those sons then had more sons. And it became a very great nation, and they were in bondage. And it was prophesied long before that that they would be in bondage. And that God would bring them out of that bondage at a particular time. And when he brought them out, he brought them before his very special holy place. The place where he dwelt. And it's interesting that in that place, in Exodus the 19th chapter, it says, In the third month which the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim and were come into the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness. And there Israel camped before the mount. They camped before that mount that God dwelt on. And in verse 8, And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words to the people of the Lord. It's interesting. That power was there. All of that power of, of God. And they, were, and they answered, we're going to do it. We, we will do it. And yet we find historically that they, you know, they failed. They, as children, they, they failed their father. They failed the one that brought them out. In Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, Moses goes through this. And it's very interesting what Moses says here. And uh, I was contemplating and thinking about the law was given, instructions was given. The thing was, you know, as a father and a mother to your children, what do you do? You give them, you want them to grow up, you want them to understand. Don't run out in front of cars, you're going to get smashed, you're going to die. Um, you know, certain things you don't I've got grandchildren that just love every time they, they go somewhere they grab something off of this or grab something off of that and it might be something that's harmful to them you've got to watch them you've got to take care of them they're just little children and they, and they have to be taught as they grow and, and, and mature and you, you hope that they will learn that they will learn what is bad what is good what what they can eat, what they can't eat, and things like that. You hope that they will learn those things. Well, God was the same way. He brought them to that mount, and he wanted to instruct them. He wanted to give them the, the kind of instructions that would make them holy, make them wise, make them a nation that would shine through all other nations. Now, these are the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, Moses said in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, that you might do them in the land where you go to possess it, that you might fear the Lord your God to keep his statutes, his commandments, which I command you and your son and your son's son all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, 
that it may be well with you, and that you may increase mightily as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you in the land that flows with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. It's interesting that Moses, in reiterating this, was trying to help them that that they, if they loved the Lord, if they truly gave themselves to God, if they truly were obedient to God, God's love would be poured back to them and they would prosper, they would grow, and they would, they would be wise. They would do all of the things that God was teaching them. And they, not only that, but they would be healthy and they would be strong. They would um, have a nation that would, would um, command and be... Um, shown all over the world and they would show the power and glory of God also because of that love that was poured back from God if they would love and and give themselves to the to God these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart so it had to be written in the heart it had to be a part of their heart you shall teach them diligently to your children and see here this is where we come in isn't it this is where mom and dad who believe, this is where we come in, teaching our children to diligently understand the law and the way of God and the true uh, meaning and the, the commandments. You shall teach diligently to your children and shall, walk, uh, shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You know, sometimes we watch children and sometimes we wonder how much are they really absorbing or getting or, or taking in. And, and sometimes we're really surprised because, oh, they don't seem to be paying much attention. And yet down later in life, they'll, all, they'll surprise us and they'll say something so profound that uh, we were, <laughs> wow, did they really... You know, did they really say that? Are they were they? They must have been listening. They must have been hearing what the word was being preached. Or they must have been reading. And they must have been looking at God's word. Wow. You know, I, I remember as a child, and I've said this many times, and I, I want to say it again. And, and, I, and for parents, this is very important, even if you don't have very much time with them. As we had some that were very diligent about sitting still and listening, and others that had were very big fidgeters when it came to Bible time in our family. And um, I won't mention anyone. We'll just go right on there, <coughs> since you know a lot of our family. But still, you've you got to believe that they're, they're, they're going to gain something if you sit down with them and you talk to them about God's Word. He says, you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. It's like they, you wear the word of God with inside of you, and you try to help your children to put those garments on themselves as a daily part of their life, to be clothed also with the word of God, to the best of your ability. I mean, we're responsible for our children because God gives them to us as a gift. They're a special precious gift and I mean you know, not all not all the time do we have um, all that rule over them and especially as they grow up and they become adults we can't always help them in every way that we would like to but while they're young while they're 
like these are out here. Teach them, train them, bring them up diligently. Teach them diligently the word of God. You shall, he says, you shall also write them upon the posts of your house and upon your gates. And it shall be when the Lord your God shall have brought you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you goodly cities which you built not and houses full of goods. And I think I was going to stop there. But anyway, brethren, that is so very important, what Moses reiterated to the children of Israel. Now let's go on to Proverbs, the, the um, 22nd verse, and everybody's very familiar with this. And uh, everybody knows these words. Proverbs 22, and verse 6. It says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from him. To the best of our ability, to the best of our ability, we train our children. And we hope and pray that they will absorb and understand and, and, and come to the understanding of God's word. We understand the calling, not all are called, but we still are commanded to teach our children to the best of our ability. And, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes when they get into trouble, and they've been in this way, and they're, you know, they haven't been baptized or anything, they will come to you and say, you know, I remember when you told me this. And it came right out of the Bible. And I'm really struggling with this. Can you help me? Because I remember you teaching me about certain things out of the Bible. It'll come back to them, and they'll ask for you know, help in that particular area. So, never be discouraged about your children always teaching them, even after they're grown. Uh, I have a lady back there I've been married to for 43 years, and um, if you've ever got on the phone to her and she starts talking about the Bible, you wonder who the preacher really is in this uh, family. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I love way that she uh, is able to, to uh, bring that word out sometimes uh, and just <laughs> um, bring it out uh, so well. In uh, chapter 5 of John, in verse uh, 30 and ver to 36, I can of my own self do nothing, Jesus said. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Jesus says he's, his, his whole life was dedicated to bringing the things that the Father wanted him to bring out. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You sent to John, uh, you sent to John and he bore witness of the truth, but I... I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say to you might be that that you might be saved. Uh, let's see how far. Yeah, that you might be saved. He was a burning and shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And so we understand that this is a continuation of our loving Father giving us information, giving us direction, giving us a, 
um, uh, hope <clears throat> and, and guiding and leading us as his children. And whenever we go back uh, to, to the Jesus' words, what are, we, what are we looking at? What are we seeing? It's instruction for his children. You know, right all the way through the Bible, what's it talk? The children of Israel, the children of Israel, the children of Israel. There's so many children of Israel's in there. So there's family. It's, it's, all, it's about family. And when Jesus teaches, it's about teaching family things. And, and interesting here, it says in, in, in verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? And it says, if, <clears throat> It is therefore good for nothing but to cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. But let's take the positive. You are the salt of the earth. When our, we send our children out into the world and they have this knowledge and they have this truth, are they able to stand up and be salt among those that aren't understanding? In other words, are they strong enough to stand up for this way of life? Have you taught them well enough that they, you know, they can stand up against those that uh, belittle them because they're not keeping Christmas or Easter or they don't eat certain things? Ooh, you mean you don't eat pork? <laughs> they stand up. No, I don't, because God says that we shouldn't eat that kind of stuff. They become salt out there. And they, they, they savor around. Also, in verse 14, You are the light of the world, a city that is, that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on the candlestick, that it gives light to all that are in the house. Are your children light? You know, are you a light to them? And then are they a light to, the, to those around us, to their friends outside of the church? Are they a light? Are they a positive example of what you've been teaching them in this way? I mean, these are things that, these are goals that we should have that our children should be <clears throat> lights to the world as we are supposed to be lights to the world. And I know sometimes in my own life, I've failed a lot of times in, 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 in oh, I just want to hide, you know, because somebody asked you a question. Recently, I just wanted to just, you know, somebody asked a question, I'm gonna, I want to be right up front. I want to give them the truth. And I'm hoping that my young children, my, my grandchildren, my progeny, will be lights to the world, lights to the world. In uh, Matthew, uh, continuing in Matthew, I, I picked Matthew, uh, Jesus' words, because they're, they're so apropos for what we're talking about here and, and what these young people are doing in uh, rehearsing the word of God and maybe living that word. In verse 17, it says, Think thou that I have come to destroy the law of the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to, to fill them full, to make them more Make them stronger, more, more powerful, to un help you to understand them. For verily I say unto you, until heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall not pass from the law, till it all be filled to the full, till all of mankind understands all of the word of God. And that ain't happening right now, I guarantee you. We're just a very small amount of people that understand. He said, therefore, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments shall teach men so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them shall, 
shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. It's so important that we help our kids to understand the Ten Commandments and how important they are. We see there's such a battle now between those that are atheists that want to destroy you know, Christians and the commandments and any place they see, like in the, the, they want to destroy it. They want to run over it. They want to destroy anything that has to do with God. And it's becoming more and more difficult for Christians to live in this society, even though all of these freedoms are based on the Christian view of this, in, in this society. It's just becoming uh, more and more. They're, and, they're, and the atheists are such a small group, they, but they have such a loud voice. So he says, For I say unto you, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so as we teach our children, we also hope that they will be a part of what we want to be a part of, which is the kingdom of God. In verse 21, you, you have heard, and, and, and now these things we should, need, we should be teaching our children as, we, as they grow older, as they get to that point where they need to understand that this world is full of uh, evil. It is full of sin, and it's all around them, and you have to help them through it. You have to be loving and kind and help them through this. I, I, you've heard it is said by them of old, you shall not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say unto his brother Raka, shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say to you, fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. You know, it's interesting that uh, anger management was already in place long before anybody ever thought about it. <laughs> it's been in the Bible all along. Jesus taught anger management. You just don't do that. You, you keep your cool. Even if you are in face with a situation, you need to work through it. I know we live in a very violent society, so there's very difficult times, but if it's in between brothers or uh, in the family, you need to keep your cool. And in the family, in the family, between husband and wife and the children, there needs to be a loving relationship. It, it's just a part of this society today, I think, that is developing, you know, because of the words, because of, and I've got one scripture at the end I'd like to read about that but it is a society filled with those kind of things that make us angry mad and just it's very difficult he says in verse 23 uh, therefore if you bring your gifts to the altar and remember that your brother has anything against you leave there your gift before the altar and go your way first reconcile to your brother it's important that you um, work out those things that you have problems and difficulties with and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are in the way with him. Lest at any time the adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge delivers you to the officer and you are cast in prison. Today we are a Leviticus society full of lawyers who are ready and willing to, to keep you on the string forever. <laughs> you know, they, if they can find a, a, a lucrative um, litigation, they can keep you going and going and going. And so we live in a society in which we have to be very careful there. And it's best if we can go ahead and close out something as quickly as possible. And first, let's, uh, let's skip over, let's see, where do I want to go? 20, let's go down to 27. 
You have heard that it's been said in the old time that you shall, be, you shall not commit adultery. We have a, a lot of problems in society today. He says, but I say unto you that whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in, in his heart. And, and so, and then he gives these things about the hand and the eyes and those things. And, you know, and I won't go into that, but what I wanted to bring out here, what I wanted to bring out is that uh, the Internet has to be protected. And, you, and those who are parents and who have young children, please protect Protect them. I mean, the cell phones, all of those things are in avenues for sinful things to come into. I mean, you, you read about all kinds of stuff that children are doing. Even as, low, as young as 10, 12 years old, they shouldn't even, they all should be, they should, 10 and 12 year olds should be playing and enjoying. 13, 14 year olds should be enjoying their, that youth that they, they have. They shouldn't have to, to be burdened with the kind of sinful things that are in the world, but it's so easy to get a hold of. And there's always, there's always that Satan out there that wants to, to grab your children. So please, be cognizant that the, the internet is a, is a wealth of good things and a wealth of very filthy bad things. And, and be cognizant of, of what, where, what they're reading, what they're looking into. You have to grab a hold of their cell phones and their computers and check them out so that you know. 31, verse 31, has been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife and, let, and, and, and give her a, written, um, a, a writing of divorcement. Um, oh, uh, let's read this right. <laughs> Whoever shall put away his wife and let him give, give her a writing of divorcement. But I say to you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced commits adultery. Now you start out, what's important for all of us is you start with your children first. You start to help them to understand these, these scriptures and, and, and the importance of marriage. The importance of finding that one special person that you can live with for the rest of your life. And not rushing into marriage, but to find that one person, that one special person that you, that you, can, you can live with. And under, helping them to understand about divorce and remarriage when they're older, when they're at that age that they can understand. Give them that understanding. Help them to, through those things. Because it's very important. Uh, we have such a, a society that it's so easy. <laughs> it used to be in Oklahoma that you had to go through some hoops to get divorced, but I don't think it's that way anymore. I think it's uh, one of those things where you can just about, uh, I, I, what was the sign I saw the other day? Uh, see, um, uncontested, 150 bucks. Uh, I've been married uh, 43 years. I see if I uncontested, I could, $150? I, 43 years, and I could go out and get rid of my wife and for $150. Can you understand the, the, the mentality that we live in this society today? <laughs> Can you understand that? <laughs> so, so easy. So easy. Oh, wow, I see that. Anyway, I won't belabor that anymore. Let's drop to um, um, verse 43 of chapter 5. You have heard that it's been said, you, uh, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that sp spitefully use you and persecute you. This is very important because we can pray for our enemies even if we have, 
And children, you can pray for your enemies. If you have bullies and things, you can pray for them. You walk up to them, I'm praying for you. Whoa! <laughs> I don't know what that will do to him, but, you know, it might startle him. I'm praying for you. That you may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do you not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be you therefore perfect. And he draws, he draws the analogy back to his, the Father. He said, be you therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. You know, while he walked the earth, he was subject to all of the problems and trials and tribulations and sins without sinning, that a, that a human being would have. And so he always looked to the Father for guidance and help and strength, no matter what. He was always looking to the Father. Help me, Father, to get through this. In chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, it says, And when you pray, and I want uh, we all, <laughs> I, I, I've been remiss in some of these things here too, and I wish I'd have been more diligent, but I think my kids still do pray when they have problems and, and they will pray and they will read the Bible. But I wish I'd have been stronger. He says, when you pray, you should not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So we know that, that that's not the, the proper way to do it. But you, when you pray, enter into your closet. When you have shut your door, pray to your Father which is in secret. And your Father, which sees in secret, shall reward you openly. Children, you can pray to the Father any time, and He will hear you. He loves to hear from the children. You can pray to Jesus, and He will hear you. He loves to hear from you. Please, take the time and, and teach your children to pray. Uh, he says, um, when you pray, pray. Uh, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. And all the rosary beads and all of that. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches prayer from the heart. And, and children, that your prayers are always from the heart. Be not you therefore like unto them, for your Father knows what things you need uh, before you ask Him. But after this banner, you know, the, this beautiful prayer, this beautiful outline of a prayer is what it is. He says, Our Father, which, art in, which is in heaven, or art in heaven, as the, uh, the King James says, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. And you know today God is over all heavenly things, and he is over the earthly things, but there's times in which haven't been fulfilled yet. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Because that's the one that, you know, has the power over all of things. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. One parting scripture I'd like to leave with you is in Colossians, the third chapter. And it has to do with our own personal today's society that we live in. And sometimes I look at the, the words in the Bible and I think, wow, they must have been printed for today. Because... How in the world could they have had these kind of things like this then? I mean, weren't they more holy than, than we are today? <laughs> no, it's, it's the way we are, brethren. It's the way we are. Sometimes we're just this way. 
And you read these words and you realize that all societies are this way. It says in verse 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I wrote before. Uh, oh, that's the wrong way. Sorry about that. I always do that. Why do I do that? Yeah, oh, come on now. Get over here to Colossians. It didn't sound like it. That's a good, those are good verses. I, you know, they're, they're, just, they're fine. Just not where I wanted to go. And I probably could have looked up there, and I probably would have been in the right place, wouldn't I? If you then, been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on the things on the earth. These are, this is very important that we do this. For you are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And Christ, who is in your, our life, shall appear. Then shall you also appear with him in glory. He says, then, these are the instructions that Paul says, Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. All of these things are existing in the society we live in, and they affect each and every one of us on a daily basis. And so they can also affect your children and really make the things difficult for them. For which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience, in which you also walked sometime when you lived in them, but now you also have put off all these. And here are the things that we have to control, that we have to overcome, that we have to get rid of, that are a part of the society that we live in. They are a part of the society that we live in. Anger. Like I said, Jesus had the, <laughs> the anger management. And you go to the Bible and you find out about anger management. Get rid of it. Wrath. Malice. Blasphemy. I mean, the society's full of it. And filthy communication. I preach over and over, and you've heard me more, more than once. Keep your communication clean in your family. It's better if you could just keep it clean no matter where you go. I mean, if you got into the habit of never saying those nasty little words that sometimes you hear in the, in the Hollywood Seems like they've had these gratuitous words they just have to put in there. Even if the film is a, is a decent film, they've got to just stick one in because it's, it's part of the Hollywood you know, mindset. We've got to put in a filthy, uh, some um, filthy communication in here, so let's stick it in right here. And uh, this beautiful young woman just blurts out some nasty word. Hey, it's hard, to, to, it's hard when you've got it on TV and the kids are watching, and all of a sudden, oh, I realize I shouldn't have had that on. These are things that are a part of society. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, you know, all are free. Christ is all in all. Um, let's see, how far was I going to go? Put on, therefore, the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy. Here's what you should have. Bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. And if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also should you 
And above all these things, put on charity, which is love, which is the bound, the bond, the bonding of perfectness. Charity or love holds us together. And especially in a family, love holds us together in that family. And when it begins to, to disappear in that family, then there is all kinds of that, those bad things that I just read. I wrote down here, it's not always easy to teach your children these things. Like I said, sometimes it's very difficult. But it is written in the Bible for our admonition to do so, because they're our responsibility. As grandparents, as parents, whoever, or even as mentors, to teach our children this way, because it is the hope, it is the hope of the kingdom of God. Not just for us adults, but for the children, because God wants all his children. He said it's the sand of the sea that he wants that it's going to be in the kingdom of God. You can't be able to number them. There's going to be so many in the kingdom of God. Don't you want your children, you and your children, in that kingdom?